welcome to the Back on Track Fitness Podcast, where we answer the tough questions on running, weightlifting, and general fitness. Hosted by Dr. Cameron Dennis and Dr. Eric May, physical therapists. Be sure to check us out at backontracktherapy.com for training programs and other resources. Now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, it's me, Dr. Cameron Dennis, physical therapist with Back on Track Therapy and Wellness. And Dr. Eric May, physical therapist with Back on Track Therapy and Wellness. And today on the Back on Track Fitness podcast, we're going to be talking about dry needling. So what is dry needling? Why do we do dry needling? Um, what type of evidence there is to support dry needling? Um, and how dry needling is different than acupuncture? So we're going to be answering the biggest questions that we get on a daily basis from people who are looking to either get dry needling or who have gotten it in the past. So I don't personally do dry needling myself because I'm not certified. However, Dr. May is certified. So he's going to be the one answering most of the questions. Um, so this might seem a little bit like a question and answer type format, um, but hopefully you find it useful. So Eric, can you tell me in, uh, I don't know, 30 words or less, <laughs> what is dry needling? All right, so first off, I never answer anything in less than 30 words, uh, <laughs> if you know me. <laughs> but, um, okay, so what is dry needling? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm actually going to start with the difference between dry needling and acupuncture, just because a lot of people know acupuncture and are familiar with it, or at least have seen it on TV or something like that. So acupuncture is considered Eastern Chinese medicine, um, and there it's the act of inserting a needle into the body, and uh, I'm not an acupuncture expert by any means. I'm not trained in acupuncture. Um, so I'm just going to give kind of a very broad, brief overview. It is basically the insertion of needles into the body and they are targeting things from like orthopedic pains to systemic issues, things like, um, insomnia or other different like things that are non-orthopedic. Uh, and they are going more off of, uh, like meridians in the body, uh, channels and like the flow of energy and things of that nature to treat those. So that is considered acupuncture. And then dry needling is kind of a, an offshoot or a different type of needling. Um, again, it's the same process, inserting a needle into the body, but it's more targeted at like the, the orthopedic issues that people have. So muscles, tendons, ligaments, nerves are the big things. Um, so it's more, uh, another good way to describe it is uh, if you have acupuncture for headaches, you may have needles placed in like the head, but then they also may go in like the foot or other places that they feel like are correlated to that. Whereas with dry needling, it's specific to the structures that are producing the headache or in relation near that kind of side of the pain. So that was at least 31 it words. Was not, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't less than 30 words. Uh, but yeah, that's the, that is the big difference. Okay. Have you had people who have had dry needling or who have had acupuncture and then come in for dry needling? And you know, if you have what, I mean, how, have you asked them what the difference is, you know, I mean, in terms of their, like their um, perception of it, you know, did they feel like it was pretty similar? Did they get, you know, better results? Same. Yeah. I've, had, I've actually had a fair amount of people. Um, a lot of times because they'll go to an acupuncturist and then they may go to PT totally separate and they have no idea that PTs can do something that's kind of similar. So um, then we'll do dry needling. I would say the biggest difference a lot of times is in the location of the needles. And I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go to, let's say like low back pain. Um, and I'm not speaking for all acupuncturists or all people that are licensed for dry needling, but the location, a lot of times 
they may have a lot more remote places for the low back needling and they may have put many fewer in the low back whereas I may do much more isolated to that area in the low back. So that's one big difference that they'll notice is that there's more needles placed around like the actual site of pain. Um, and then as far as outcomes, I can't really, like obviously there are individuals, different results, but I can't really give you like a consensus because I feel like acupuncture does work. Um, sometimes it doesn't. I feel like dry needling does work. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. So, but if you've experienced acupuncture, essentially you, you're, those people are, know what to expect with dry needling a lot. Okay. Uh, and then there are different types of dry needling, uh, like specialties or certifications even. So like there's different, uh, methodologies, but even among those who dry needle, right? Yeah. And so like there's like the integrative dry needling and then there's what you did, right? The, um, the spinal manipulation institute, spinal manipulation institute. So what's, I mean, do you, do you understand the difference between how, say like the integrative dry needling is different? Yeah, so there are different types of needling. Um, one is more going towards like trigger points. So commonly people think of trigger points like with massage, um, hitting a trigger point or like a knotty area. And there are some places that are trained that you just target those trigger points. Um, but then there are other places, like I was trained at a different, like through a different association, um, that targets more than just the trigger points and includes like how the nerves provide sensation or the nerves causing pain. Um, there's a lot more to it than just the trigger points. There are a lot of other structures that cause pain and that you can target to reduce pain. So that's the very brief without going into it. There are different types. Um, we use a lot and the research actually backs a lot of using, hooking the needles up to electric stimulation, which sounds absolutely terrible, uh, but it's not bad. Um, so uh, definitely hooking the needles up to stim is actually much more beneficial for reducing pain than just doing needling and leaving them in there or going for trigger points. So. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I, I noticed that you said naughty points, by the way, I imagine you mean K N O T T Y. Yes. Not naughty locations. Naughty. Yeah. You put them in naughty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's a I got, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're not, yeah. Nothing near naughty town on this. Nothing there. Uh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Not as in like a trigger point, not as in not, like, like knots, like, you know, like yes. muscle. Yeah. Knots. knots. Gotcha. In, inappropriate. Just to clarify for everyone who doesn't quite. Know yeah. Your, that your, is, your yeah. Like yeah. I, I will not be needling those <laughs> other locations. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, uh, what would you say? I mean, do you do dry needling by itself in a lot of situations or when, when do you do dry needling versus um, dry needling and exercise versus like dry needling and cupping? You know, how do you know when to do what and when will you, will you have people come in a lot just for that? Or do you, is that sort of um, a way to get them into doing other things or, you know, what's sort of the thought process there? Uh, good question. So, Two things as far as when to just, I'm going to start out with when to use dry needling. Number one is since there's enough research now that where is needling been effective. And then I usually try to combine that with where have I seen needling to be most effective. So if you combine the research to what practically you've seen with patients that you've had. Um, so for example, like, uh, like shoulder pain, I feel like does really well with needling. I know that the research supports it and I've seen a lot of success with it. So that'll be like one of my higher go-tos of things that I would like, yes, if you are okay with having needles in you, then I would like to go with that and start with that maybe. Um, 
a lot of it depends obviously on patient preference. Some people, like we just had a gentleman today, it was like, do not, do not get any needles near me. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. There's plenty of other <laughs> stuff to do. But again, it's, it's just one piece of, of the puzzle. I'll often explain to people like, this is helping reduce your pain. But if you actually want to move better and be more mobile, then you obviously, the big portion of it is also like proper strengthening, proper mobility work. So it's good for what it's good for, but then there are other pieces that are big too. Um, how does it differ from like massage or cupping as far as the results? Uh, I personally just feel like it, you can have a little bit stronger of an effect when you're doing something internally. Uh, it's like if you rub a medication cream on the outside of your skin, you'll get some maybe pain relief as opposed to if you ingest a pain medication and it goes internally, it just has a stronger effect. Not that this is pain medication, but just showing how like getting into and down to the source of the pain, a lot of times can be a little bit have like a stronger effect than like external things that will do like massage or whatever. Um, and oftentimes if people say that they have some relief from massage, but it only lasts a couple of days and then they just feel like it's painful again. Those are the ones that oftentimes do really well with dry needling because they feel better, but they just need something that's a little bit more permanent, which is where dry needling comes in handy because it is a little bit more aggressive. Okay. Yeah. So what would you say to people who, and I heard this the other day, who uh, frown upon dry needling, you know, maybe they don't see that there's a lot of evidence for it yet. You know, I mean, what, what evidence have you seen? Where is that evidence? You know, and, and how does that guide your thought process? Yeah. Uh, so that is the big thing. Actually, if you wanted to find some evidence against dry needling, and it was actually the course or the, the training that I'd done, they did really well because they, they actually presented a lot of that research. And a lot of it is on a certain type of dry needling. So when I mentioned just the trigger point dry needling. A lot of the research that is not as good or that says that dry needling isn't great is towards the trigger point dry needling. Whereas like the needling with the electric stimulation is much better if you look at the research. Um, the other thing that uh, I'll say that maybe I shouldn't say for the dry needling world, but a lot of times if you look at the dry needling research, it's not as great as if you actually look at some of the um, acupuncture literature and that is where it's pretty good. So I guess that's one reason I back acupuncture and think it's good because we're taking a lot of their research um, and applying it at similar locations in the body to how it treats knee pain or shoulder pain. We're just putting a little bit of a spin on it then. So the research as far as like a lot of the acupuncture for low back pain is really good. Um, actually overseas, I think it was Great Britain, um, they had so many good studies on acupuncture for low back pain that they actually started to reimburse for it um, in their healthcare. So there's a ton of studies, uh, knees, shoulders, arthritis, muscle, nerve issues, carpal tunnel, piriformis syndrome, sciatica, like there's, the research is out there. You just, you just have to look at a broader base of research than just like maybe some specific dry needling individual studies. Okay. That's a great answer. I'm sure everyone is now bored to death. Yeah. Well, for those of us who are still listening, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it's not for you, for you four listeners out there. <laughs> um, let me ask you the question. A lot of people who haven't had it done are probably wondering, is it painful? Yeah, that's, I'm not going to lie. You feel a little bit. Uh, it's not bad. Um, I would say 99 times out of 100, uh, it's a cliche thing to say, but 99 times out of 100, everybody, the first time that they ever receive it, they anticipate it being like substantially more painful than what it actually is. A lot of times I'll needle people and they're like, that's, 
that's it. That wasn't bad at all. Um, certain locations are more tender than others, but the majority of the time, you'll have people that are like, dude, I'm really scared to do this. I don't know. Try one and see how it feels. And then they're like, oh, that wasn't bad at all. So yeah, it's overwhelmingly people are afraid at first and then they get it done and they're like, wow, that's, that's fine. So what are the more, uh, what would you consider to be like the more uncomfortable locations then? If you've ever had your foot needled for plantar fasciitis, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, the hands and the feet, those are just sensitive areas. Nobody wants a needle shoved in their foot. It is really effective though. Um, but like the shoulder, the back, the neck, honestly, even the face and the head, when, when people are needled for headaches, um, I've had people fall asleep when they're laying on their stomach with needles in their head. So you have to make sure they're not passed out. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, yeah, the most uncomfortable are feet and bottom of the feet specifically and hands. But the majority of people that you're seeing, which are for shoulders, knees, hips, um, it's really not bad at all. So what are the conditions that you've seen the most success using this with? Um, shoulder pain, for sure. I guess that would be my number one, the shoulder pain. Uh, and I'll lump that in whether you want to say like rotator cuff, anything along the lines of the shoulder and then hip. If you've ever had piriformis syndrome or sciatica that's coming from the hip, uh, pain traveling down the leg that starts at the hip, that usually rocks it. Uh, and then I would say like upper trap, everybody always feels like they have that tension in their neck and their traps that they can just carry in their shoulders, whether it's from stress or whatever. <laughs> it does really well with that upper yeah, neck pain and like upper back pain. Those are the biggest ones because everybody has tension in that area and it does really well. Those are the common ones. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to add or anything that you think that people who, uh, people should know about dry needling, you know, people who are maybe nervous about it or who are, are getting ready to go and start and try it? Uh, I guess I would say, I don't know. Um, those are really good questions you asked. <laughs> uh, I can cover a lot. Um, I guess I would say commonly the thing that I'll hear is I'll needle somebody's shoulder, for example, and I'll needle for a couple sessions and they'll say, does this work on anything else? Or like, does this, so I feel like a lot of times people are very like inclusive. Like I'm seeing you for needling in my shoulder. Uh, like, does it work anywhere else? And the answer is yes, it works in like a ton of areas. So there's a lot that you can, there's a lot of different symptoms, diagnoses, presentations that you can needle for. Even things, like I said, nobody would ever really think like, I have carpal tunnel, I could have needling done for that. Or tennis elbow, like how would needling help that? But it does, and the research backs it. So I guess that's, it's used for way more conditions than what you would, than what you would first think just shoving a needle in can do. Right. So. Um, okay. And, and in general, you think it's a good adjunct to exercise or to help people be able to tolerate more exercise for those long-term benefits, just to summarize things. Yeah. That would, which I guess that's the, that's the other tough part is, uh, needling is not, needling can be very helpful as a standalone, but if you said you have to do whatever you think is best to make me feel better, it would be needling in conjunction with, I mean, you have to, you have to move, you have to be like, you have to be assisted with strengthening other, there's just so many other pieces to it. Um, that, yeah, it's, it's a part of it. It can be a really, really effective part, which is why I enjoy doing it. Um, not just cause I like inflicting pain on people, uh, <laughs> but it does. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's used in a collection of other kind of treatment modalities, whatever. And who can do dry needling? Oh, um, PTs 
MDs, DOs, chiropractors, and I believe occupational therapists, they now have a doctoral degree. And I think they're now being trained. Yeah, they are, because I had a friend that did it. Um, they're now being trained, which not as many of them are, in dry needling. You won't find, I know like at my course, it was almost all PTs. I think there were two medical doctors, um, but they honestly just don't have time. They don't do that. Right. Um, they can, but they, yeah. So a lot of DOs and then mostly PTs are the ones doing it. But like nurses and massage therapists, they're not quite, at least in Ohio, they're not doing it, yeah, right? Yeah, no. Because I don't know if that varies from state to state. Yeah, uh, no. At no state are they allowed to do it. So dry needling is illegal in some states, though. So like in Tennessee, if I needled you, they would, and you told them, or I told them, I wouldn't tell them, but they would take my license from me. <laughs> so in some states, it's actually illegal for legal reasons that we won't go into. But like in Ohio, it's legal. Michigan is only, you can do it, but if there's something weird, Indiana, you can do it. So... Okay. I'm sure Texas, you can do it because Texas lets you do pretty much anything. So why, I mean, if you don't mind getting into it a little, at least a little bit, why, why is it illegal? Is it because of the acupuncturist? They don't want you to be doing those things or is it adverse effects? Uh, the big thing is not that it's unsafe. Uh, yeah, it's actually the, the acupuncturist, um, because it's believed that what we do is very similar to what they do, that there's conflicting thoughts on whether PTs and doc and MDs should be allowed to needle. So okay. it, it, yeah, it is, it's not a safety related issue or like a treatment benefit issue. It's more of a legal, just a conflicting views legally issue. Right. So okay. that's good to know. Good to um, maybe qualm the fears of some of the people who may have been listening. Yeah. That it was illegal in Tennessee, but it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of, uh, conflict between the different professions who want to be able to provide similar treatments is all. Um, so anyway, anything else you want to add about dry needling? Um, I mean, those are most of the, most of the questions that I had, most of the things I wanted people to know. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Shoved a lot of needles in people. How's that for an ending? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so once again, this is Dr. Cameron Dennis, physical therapist and Dr. Eric May, also a physical therapist with uh, Back on Track Therapy and Wellness and Back on Track Fitness Podcast. Um, so be sure to check out our website, backontracktherapy.com, where we have running, uh, running and weightlifting programs uh, designed with you in mind. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to comment below or reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash therapy. Uh, and we appreciate you listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Back on Track Fitness Podcast. We hope you found it helpful. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And check out running and weightlifting programs for athletes of all experience levels at backontracktherapy.com. Links are in the show notes. See you next time.